1: Maura Murray was born on May 4, 1982, in Hanson, Massachusetts. By the age of 21, she was 5'7 and 120 pounds. On February 9, 2004, in Haverhill, New Hampshire, Maura Murray crashed her car on Route 112. There has never been a confirmed sighting of Maura since that night. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Mora Murray, please contact the New Hampshire State Police. This is the Missing Mora Murray Podcast. When you last heard us, we were talking about how Mora left a party the night before she went missing, and she may or may not have left with a guy, and her friends have not really given a description or the name of that person so we're not really sure what to believe but here we are as she's leaving the party she gets into an accident mora hits a guardrail while driving her dad's new toyota corolla
2: and that's the car that he loaned mora that night when she was (laughs) yeah i know
1: it it is odd he He loans her his brand new car car after he knows that she's been drinking in fact after he himself has even driven her to the liquor store to buy supplies for the party that night
2: so she takes that car and she drives away from umass and at the t-shaped intersection at the end of uh, the drive out of umass there's a guardrail right in front you can take a left or a right and she goes right in the right into the guardrail she crosses right over right into the guardrail after the police show up the car does get towed I believe Mora got a ride with the tow truck driver to her dad's motel room and somehow does not get in trouble for drunk driving.
1: Yeah, it does say here the police did not file any charges and the damages were going to be paid by insurance. Mora was shaken up, but perhaps the officers took it easy on Mora, or maybe she was in the tow truck before. The cops even arrived? I don't know. It's hard to speculate on this.
2: Well, the only person who has uh, talked to the police officer and asked him direct questions, as far as I know, has been James Renner. James Renner, the author. The author, the, the independent investigative journalist. Uh, so he has contacted the police officer who uh, was there at the scene when Maura uh, got into that first accident at, at UMass. And um, when he uh, pressed him, the guy hung up on him.
1: Hung up on James Renner.
2: After a series of questions. Okay. And when we have James on the show, we'll have him go through the story on that, but uh, that's basically it in a nutshell. He pressed him with a series of questions, and uh, the final question was something that the police officer chose not to answer and hung up on him.
1: Okay. And this is the first mention of author James Renner on this podcast. We wanted to work with James because he's a true crime author. He's written this blog on Maura, uh, com, And he's been filling it out for years. He's very detail oriented. Um, and he's a he seems to be a wonderful investigator. We started off on this wanting to work with James, but wanting to wanting him to be one of the many armchair detectives that we interview and and work with in this movie. However, we have not gotten very many official responses from other people who have been investigating this case independently, except for James. He's sort of been the only one who's been willing to talk to us, been willing to uh, work on this movie with us, been willing to be interviewed with us. Um, And so I think it's important to say that we didn't start this saying, hey, we're taking James Renner's side on whatever he said. That was never anything you and I thought about before making this movie. We wanted to interview everybody involved, every character we could. Um, It just so happened James was by far – has made himself by far the most accessible and once again, if anyone wants to be interviewed, we would love to interview you for this podcast and for this movie. So I think it's important to note that we're not 100% squarely in James's side, no matter what he says or does. We're, we're trying to take an independent look at this as well. And, you know, we've directly said to James in interviews, you know, we, we've alluded to the fact that he may be obsessed with this case. You know, and as we sort of talked about, we kind of are at this point, too.
0: Yeah,
2: and James is really, like, honing his obsession to, to find an answer to this mystery. Yeah, he's a
1: man who searches uh, for, for the truth, and uh, I, I respect him very greatly for that and, and uh, other things. I think he's a, a great author, too. But, you know, this is a friendship that came about working in this movie, not not something that we saw his work and said, we want to make the movie about him, blah, blah, blah.
2: We looked at what he was doing and what he's doing is trying to solve this. And what we had decided would make for a really good documentary was making a documentary about the 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 obsession, the obsession, the violent reaction that this causes, especially around like the uh, seven year, eight year, nine year mark. This caused a pretty violent reaction on all sides, whether people thought she was abducted opportunistically and murdered or if she ran away or if this person was abusing her or if she was pregnant and etc etc aside from James we had a nice couple from New York go to the scene of the accident we went up there together took the camera interviewed them a really great guy right on the outside of Boston who's really into the case but the people on the other side of it you got the people who have a level head and they contribute and what they contribute seems to be relevant and important to them, they don't mind talking for the most part. The people who have these really strong opinions the other way love to put their opinions out there and and write them in blog posts under different names, and they will not talk to you. Not only will they not talk to you, they will not talk to you, and then they will lash out at you in a, in a, in a different way on these blog posts, they will Google you. They will make well, assumptions about your life. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we've sort of been toyed with while trying They'll to get toy interviews. with you. Yeah. I don't want to go on, on the, uh, too much of a tangent about this, but uh, on this episode, at least, but yeah, we've been toyed with uh, quite a bit while trying to get interviews. Uh, people saying, yes, uh, meet us, meet me here. Uh, and then, you know, never hearing from them again. we've, we've run the gambit on answers for cooperation Yep, uh, from these people, and James has been the most accessible for us and
2: most professional. I know of half a dozen people that I would love to talk to, that I would love to have them be a part of. Your opinions are so strong on this. This is a tangent for another episode. Yeah, we're still in the middle of the timeline, so we'll get back to um, we'll get back to right before the accident. We're at more leaving the party, getting into an accident, and she uh, finds her way back to her father's motel room. I even read a report that she knocked on her father's door. And he let her in
1: at the hotel room
2: at the at the motel room. That was really early on in my looking into this. It turned out to be not accurate. So that's you know part of our job here is to try to get like the facts down.
1: So she used a, ho- a motel key.
2: No, what it looks like happened was she goes into the lobby, she falls asleep on the couch. Uh, the 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 attendant lets her in later on. Lets her into her father's room all of that being said it doesn't really make much sense the motel room had one bed so i'm not sure where she slept that didn't wake him up in a future episode we will talk about phone records Mm -hmm. there are phone calls made from fred's phone during the time that she was at the motel with him
1: during the time that he said he
2: was asleep yes Okay. Absolutely. I mean, some have assumed that um, she calls her boyfriend, Billy, at that time. Billy Roush in Billy Oklahoma. Billy Rausch, yep. Okay. I mean, if we could just talk through how this goes down. Mm-hmm. The car is towed, and I believe the car is towed to the motel room, and Maura gets a ride with the tow truck driver. She goes in. She falls asleep on the couch. And the manager either tells Fred that his daughter is there on the couch and Fred discovers her the next morning, or she somehow gets into her father's room. Fred has said in statements, I didn't know she was there until I woke up the next morning. During that time, though, phone calls from his phone were made to her boyfriend. And received. If we look at the phone records, we'll see that he's got incoming calls, and we can have a, a full episode. We will have a full episode on looking at these phone records, and 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 analyzing sure. what looks like an incoming call, what is stated as an incoming call, what is uh, checking voicemail. There was activity there. It was activity that went down in that motel room on Fred's cell phone. I'm just saying there was activity that happened in that motel room. Okay. It it's not as simple as I woke up and my daughter was
1: right. Well, all we know for a fact is that someone called Billy Roush in Oklahoma using Fred's phone. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. And again, if people are listening and they happen to know the exact current information on that, I would love to know because there's honestly been so many accounts going in different directions on what happened after that car was towed back. To uh, the next morning, when yes. when Fred sees the car and Moore is all you know, according to Fred, Moore is like super apologetic, a wreck, and you know just so disappointed in herself, so disappointed that she wrecked her dad's car and her dad was going to get mad. And Fred later says, you know, she was she 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 was upset at herself. She was upset that she did this. Uh, she learned her lesson. I mean, if we we can go over
1: this. In a minute or two, this night. Yeah. And if you, if you talk about the motives of these people, none of it makes any effing sense. I mean, and I, especially the dad, Fred, letting her borrow the car while she's already been drinking, a brand new car. And going to a party. Right. Going to a party. And she told him that, and he knew that and everything.
2: When he could have very well dropped her off, gone to his motel, and picked her up the next day. She's within walking distance of her own dorm. Very strange. Yeah, we're talking about a 21-year-old girl. Like, she yeah. can take care of herself.
1: Do, do we know what Billy says that they spoke about that night?
2: I don't know. I don't know um, if Billy has officially given, like, a detailed account of what they spoke about. He probably told the police
0: mm-hmm.
2: what, they, what they spoke about. Um, look, at her, look at her times here. She gets into the accident at 3.30 in the morning. An hour and ten minutes later, at almost 5 o'clock in the morning almost five in the morning 449 in the morning she uses her dad's phone to call her boyfriend mm. what's that that's uh
1: 249 his time or uh, that's uh, I don't know what the difference is. I think it's one
2: but look at look at what we're talking about yeah. here this happens how long does it take to get into a car accident and have the police show up yeah
1: about an hour and 20 minutes I can So see she that. gets
2: back to that motel room yeah. and almost instantly has her hands on her dad's phone mm-hmm there's one account where her dad says that he didn't know she was there until the next morning.
1: Yeah, that part. What's going on? Yeah, it doesn't seem to make sense. I mean, the guy said he called, uh, he called the room and said Mora's in the lobby, and she just happened to be there. Like, you know, the manager let her in, and Fred stayed asleep.
2: I'm honestly not sure how this went down.
1: Yeah, and I so know people have told muddy. me
2: people have told me different things. Yeah, I'm honestly not sure how how it goes down. Where you can, after an accident, instantly have your hands on your dad's phone
1: yeah and I also want to, to call say your boyfriend, and I also want to say that we will correct ourselves. I assume we're probably making mistakes I, i'm I'm absolutely yeah, sure we're I'm making actually mistakes. I'm positive we are, but so we will if if you guys email us and let us know these mistakes, we will talk about them and on the next podcast. Please
2: be honest. so if we continue to look at the timeline at eight eight thirty at that that night on yeah, the eighth of February that, yeah, that same
1: Saturday she
2: checks her the only uh, the next cell phone this will be Sunday right. Okay. What I'm getting at here is what has happened between this phone call at 4:49 with to Billy and the phone calls that show up in his uh, in her dad's phone, phone in his lock. phone record. And Mora checks her uh, voicemail messages from her own cell phone at 8:30 that night. So we're talking. There's a gap of about 15 hours mm-hmm. where where there isn't any cell phone activity that we know of
1: why do you think that Mora used her dad's phone is it the cost of long distance to, to make that call instead of her own phone if she has her own phone
2: maybe her phone died at the party maybe she forgot it
1: okay i mean it's just hard to speculate but it's yeah. not like her dad and billy were good friends right
2: and what could she possibly have called billy for at that time well i, I, I got could into see an that. accident
1: yeah i could see that absolutely A 21-year-old girl, uh, a little upset, calling her boyfriend in Oklahoma. Absolutely.
2: Let's dissect it a little bit more. Okay. Scenario one, she arrives with a tow truck at her dad's motel. Her dad is, I'm, I'm I'm guessing, is asleep at this time. If she doesn't have her phone or if it died, she hasn't contacted her dad at this point. So if we're really dissecting this, why would she use her dad's phone? Hers is dead or she didn't have it. Maybe it died after the accident.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is also an age in, in 2004 where I don't think... Um, people were locked to
2: their phone as they yeah, are Yeah, I think yeah. it's
1: possible it, it could have... Well, I mean, also, it might not have been dead. Like, people weren't aren't on their phones back then like they were today. I think the
2: battery power was way better then because there wasn't a ton of <laughs> shit going on well, on the phone.
1: Yeah, you didn't have apps and, yeah. you know, all that stuff. It's hard to speculate... On things that we don't know for sure. Right. You know, So we only want to lay out the facts and just ask questions.
2: But what we do know is that she used her dad's phone at 11 minutes to 5 in the morning after that first accident. That means she showed up at the motel, and let's just say she didn't fall asleep on the couch. Let's just say she goes into the motel, and she asks the guy working the front desk hey, can you call my dad's room? This is his name. Her dad comes out. She explains what happened. And then her next thing has to be, can I use your phone so I can call Billy? And what did you say the time difference was? Oh, I
1: think it's a one hour
2: difference. So it's still incredibly late in Oklahoma. So her dad must have said something to the effect of, or maybe she didn't even ask. Maybe he just saw the car, was understandably upset, and said, we'll deal with it tomorrow. It's way too late to do this now. Like, get in like, you know, get some sleep. We'll deal with it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. She waits for her dad to go to sleep, or she says, Hey, can I just use your phone so I can call Billy? You know, that could be that could be what happened right there. hmm Okay. But it also negates earlier statements made by Fred that I didn't know Mora was in my room until i woke up the next morning
1: how heavy of a sleeper must fred be to not hear a drunk 21 uh, year old plop into bed with him assuming, uh, you know assuming she slept in the bed with a king size bed you know if or a queen but most likely a king if a hotel has one bed in in the room so there's probably plenty of room on that bed but most people i know would wake up you know you open the door uh, perhaps the the phone rang in the room and someone crawls into bed next to you, you know, maybe doesn't touch you, but I don't know. Just ask him the question.
2: I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And the other statement is that Fred, the guy at the front desk, called Fred's room and said, hey, your daughter's asleep here on the couch mm-hmm. in the uh, in the lobby.
1: And the next thing on the timeline here is that more speaks to Fred her father about the accident and agrees to get the proper accident forms on Monday morning and before hanging up hanging up they're not in person at this point
2: no she talks to him on the phone
1: oh, okay so he left what car did he take
2: to leave I think he rented a car
1: so Fred rents a car
2: while his car is getting fixed
1: while his car is getting fixed drives back home to where he lives and Mora and Fred speak on the phone. Fred talks Mora into getting the proper accident forms on Monday morning. They agree that she's going to discuss the form the forms again later that night with Fred on how to fill out the forms. Right. This is Fred's account of this
2: is Fred's. Account of- <laughs> I'm just I'm laughing again because I'm just thinking about the scenario that this is. It's like you talk about a meeting uh, about a meeting. You talk about you you agree to meet you know like this this is literally saying that they're speaking they agree to get the proper accident forms on Monday in regards to our accident and then they end they end the conversation by agreeing to discuss the forms over the telephone on Monday night so they're going to get the forms and then they're going to talk about the forms on Monday night so this phone call is basically them saying, once I get the forms, we'll talk about the forms. You're saying there's not
1: much substance to That's this call. There's not
2: much substance to this call.
1: Yeah, I could see. I could see this call being real though. Mora may have just been a little freaked out about the accident and he is trying to urge her to get those uh get the paperwork so he can get the insurance. And you, yeah,
2: and then you know, what, hey, honey, we'll talk about this once mm-hmm. you get the papers, we'll talk about
1: it. Yeah, we'll talk about how to fill them out. I could Perhaps see.
2: Perhaps I'm overreacting about it.
1: Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I see I see your point. It's it's two calls when it probably really only kind of needs to be one. Um, in today's day and age the first one would have been a text.
2: It would have been a text and, you know, this would have been discussed face to face. I mean this not I'm not talking about today's day and age. I'm saying in this situation where they have the opportunity to talk about going to the insurance yes. company, this this is a face to face conversation. This isn't I mean, what did they do in the meantime? What yeah, did they I talk agree. about in the meantime? Like, they didn't think about saying, okay, well, on Monday morning when the insurance companies are open, you can go, you know, get the forms and give me a call once you have the forms.
1: Instead of talking, instead of saying that, he just, Fred, just rented a car, left. And, and then, then they s- have a phone call about it. And then it. They, he called her later or she called him later. And he urged her to get the paperwork. It is a little odd.
2: Definitely. Mm-hmm. And what day of the week are we talking right now?
1: Sunday, February 8th, 2004.
2: This is the day before she leaves. Yeah
1: now we're on to just past midnight of february 9th this is the day of the accident not the first accident uh, not the Patrice vassy accident but the accident where she goes missing afterwards mara made a call seeking information on renting a condo in bartlett new hampshire now this condo in bartlett new hampshire is a place that her and her family visited often and perhaps annually.
2: She's familiar with it.
1: The call lasted three minutes and no condo was rented. So that's not a voicemail. That's a that's a conversation. So she reportedly made more than one call. Um, this was just one that we know that she actually spoke with someone.
2: I think there was a couple emails in there too.
1: Okay. And... Mora never actually rented a condo, but she spoke with someone, and she's familiar with the area.
2: She's very familiar with the area.
1: So her family goes to this area that she happened to go missing in.
2: Just to keep consistent with what we know for fact, the call that was made to a condo in Bartlett, New Hampshire, according to phone records, lasted three minutes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she spoke to somebody – is kind of up up in the air right now. If we have any information from anybody about what she if she spoke to anybody, we'd love to we'd love to hear about that. But from what we're looking at with the facts and the records, a call was placed to this facility to rent the condo, and it lasted three minutes.
1: That's all we know right now. Okay, and uh, Bartlett, New Hampshire, is a full ninety minute drive from Haverhill, New Hampshire. In fairness, 85 minutes. Okay, so it's not exactly the area that she uh, that she went missing. It's not that close. It's 60 it's miles on, away. It's on the way. It's less than 60 miles in a straight shot, but a little bit of a roundabout route will take you um, to 60 miles and an hour and a half drive. But you say it's on the way to... Crash
2: site... Could very well have been on the way to Bartlett. It also could very well have been on the way to Franconia, Bethlehem, anywhere in the White Mountains. Looks like she wanted to cut through the White Mountains and go to Bartlett. The other problem is we don't know her route exactly where she was coming from. Right. There have been conflicting reports on that. I know. Well, she could have been coming from Amherst, or she could have, uh, <laughs> she could have, she could have shot over to see her dad. In Weymouth, and then headed up.
1: Wasn't there also a report of uh, that she might have been in Boston?
2: Yeah. Yeah, there was a report of that. We
1: can get into that a little later. But just to take a look here at this route real quick. Again, we don't know the route she went. But this 91 freeway, or highway, goes close to Amherst, a little west of Amherst. It travels up and then hits Haverhill. Uh, So she was off the highway at that point, obviously.
2: Definitely off the highway.
1: On Route 112. And so she could have been going to Bartlett if she had come
2: from Amherst. So it is possible. Yeah, And if anyone's looking at Google Maps right now, if you go down to where Weymouth is and you look at the route. Weymouth, Massachusetts. Weymouth, Massachusetts. And you look at the route from Weymouth to – like you have a few different options here. Mm-hmm. You do 93 to 89. To ninety one, and you can get to Haberl, or you can go ninety three all the way up to the White Mountains, and you can even uh, you can even kick off here by uh, Rumney, and or you the, can go up the here Kankamangus Highway. Tangamangas Highway. There is the account of the cell phone ping, the cell phone tower ping in Londonderry,
1: Londonderry, New Hampshire, is right over the Massachusetts border, a little north of Nashua, New Hampshire.
2: Right on 93. So we can figure that she was within 50 miles. Is that the official at that time, 50 if miles? If it is or... accurate that her phone generated that ping off of the Londonderry Tower, then the approximate range would be about 50 miles. Okay. Could have been a lot less. Could have Pro- been a lot less, but it couldn't, couldn't have been any more. Anymore. Okay. Good to know. Why would somebody in Amherst, Massachusetts... Which is in the western part of Massachusetts, which makes no logical sense, unless she was going to Weymouth, or unless she was in Boston. Which is fine, but there has been no account of her leaving Weymouth, right? Um, or maybe she didn't have her cell phone on her. Maybe that was somebody else using her phone. It's possible, absolutely. Yeah, we don't know. We don't have any idea. And now we're getting into like the we're getting <laughs> down to the time frame. We're getting down to. The details that really make this into a conspiracy. So that morning, afternoon, Mora sends an email to her professors. So at, at one
1: p.m., um, the day she goes missing, Mora emails her boyfriend Billy Roush. She said she did not feel like talking to anyone, but that she intended to give him a phone call later that day.
2: The end of that email to Billy said, love you, stud. Interesting when you think about the people who are saying that they had a bad relationship. Which we haven't even touched on this podcast. Exactly.
1: Which we'll get into.
2: But unless I've been misinformed, <laughs> that is the, how the email was signed off. Mm -hmm. that she didn't feel like talking to anybody she'll give him a call later love you stud not completely unusual not completely unusual but you're talking about a girl who is ready to go for a drive
1: yeah love you stud maybe a little casual
2: i was thinking it's like a i don't when i have when i first read that ever It just sounds like a a fun thing to say to somebody who you're having a relationship with. Yeah. Like, not heavy. Right. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't feel like talking to anybody. Give them a call later on. Who knows what's going on in her head. Right.
1: And then Maura makes a a phone call uh, to a fellow student at
2: UMass, leaves a voicemail. Right after that email is sent, give or take like, you know, five, ten minutes, at about quarter past one, one. Well, technically, it's one thirteen. Uh, there's there is a record of more calling one of her uh, one of her classmates at, at UMass, leaves a voicemail, um, but there's nothing on that voicemail of significance.
1: Right, but it is interesting when she said, you know, she emailed her boyfriend thirteen minutes earlier, saying she didn't feel like talking to anybody. And then she makes a phone call.
2: That is interesting. She doesn't feel like talking to anybody. Then she calls. Someone at UMass leaves a voicemail that reportedly has no significance to the case. Okay, that's fine. She could have just literally called up and said, hey, it's Maura. Give me a call when you get this. Sure.
1: Yeah. And then an hour after that email where she said she didn't want to talk to anybody, she made a phone call to 1-800-GO-STOW. And Stowe Mountain is a ski resort or a ski mountain in the New England area. The call lasted about five minutes and she did not rent a room. It did later come out that Stowe's phone systems were actually down on this day and time. So Mora listened to pre-recorded information.
2: Okay, well, about like uh, available rooms?
1: Yeah, and probably ski information.
2: Okay, so this is call number two made to a place that is north. That is a place she's familiar with she does skiing. She does hiking. This is the second place that would make it look, by all logical thinking, this girl was planning on going and just clearing her head, going, going to rent a place, maybe meet up with some friends. She calls, gets the pre-recorded message. This is the second time she's called a place that is in the realm of what she does. Mm-hmm. If she wants to get away. She wants to get away for a couple of days. She's going, It you know, it's the wintertime. She's going someplace where it's going to have hiking or skiing or, or like a log cabin camping. She's got it in her head that she's going away somewhere. She makes a call to Bartlett. Bartlett. New Hampshire. She makes a call to Stowe. She's... Yeah. By all accounts... That's not that close. That's a three-hour drive. But she doesn't know. Let's just say, for all intents and purposes, she doesn't know where she's going. She just knows right. she's going up here somewhere. somewhere. Okay. And she knows... I know about Stowe. Oh, I know about Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Um, she's starting to make these calls. Mm-hmm. She clearly was not going to go to Stowe because she... Uh,
1: <laughs> she never intended to. She, she took get, a right. <laughs> she didn't get the information Yeah. that she needed. She could not rent the room by making the call and she never actually intended to go there. She did make the phone
2: call, though. So it really, really looks like this girl is making plans to go to certain places. Absolutely. That's what it looks like.
1: Yeah. Then, Maura calls her boyfriend, Billy, again. Uh, This is about an hour and 20 minutes after she emailed him. The call lasts about a minute, so we don't know if... Uh, they actually spoke or not. And then at 3.45, Mora emails more people. She emails her professors.
2: I have no memory of hearing the that she call. called him a second time and they spoke for a minute. Yeah. Unless she left a voicemail.
1: Could have been a voicemail. At, at about 4 p.m., Maura, um actually emailed her work supervisor and some of her teachers uh, saying that she would be out of town for several days due to a death in her family. And as you mentioned on our introduction podcast, there was never a death in the family that was reported. And Maura packed her belongings into boxes and removed the art from her dorm room walls.
2: Now, is that something that somebody does if they're leaving for a few days because of a death? No. Is that something that somebody does because they're going on uh, vacation from school? Is this February vacation time? Is this spring break time? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Okay. No, I don't think it's any February vacation.
1: I think it's just one uh, spring break in March for college.
2: Now, how smart do we think Mora is? Mora at this point, has gotten into one legit accident. She has allegedly a phone call so upsetting she couldn't keep it together and needed to go back to her dorm, escorted by her supervisor, that apparently had something to do with her sister. My question is, is this somebody who actually wants to get away, or is this somebody who's going to great lengths to make it look like she wants to get away? I don't know. Let me let me rephrase that. Is this somebody who wants to get away for a couple days and clear her head? Or is this somebody who wants to get away forever, not be found, and confuse the matter by packing up her stuff, by lying about a death in the family, and by possibly taking a long route to get up north?
1: If I were to speculate a little bit, she's clearly distraught and... An emotional wreck at this period of time. I can't imagine she's actually thinking straight right now. After everything that's happened in the past week to her, with her, that she's thinking straight enough to uh, throw people off. This is a girl who also got in trouble for credit card fraud for ordering subs with her classmate's credit card. Like, of course that was going to come back to her. Well, you would think. I mean, she had the subs delivered right to her dorm. I
2: can't imagine she's trying to confuse authorities. And she's not even sure how far this is going to go. But if she wanted to do a couple of simple things to throw people off so she could disappear for a long time, it wouldn't take much thought and it wouldn't take much opinions from her friends to do things that would just kind of confuse people and give them by her enough time to get as far away as possible. I agree. Like, Hey, that. Maura, yeah. why don't you call these places? You know, if you call these places, you know, there'll be a log of your phone calls. Yeah.
1: I don't know. I agree in retrospect that, you know, she definitely confused a lot of people. Um, I, I just can't see it having been intentional. After after how emotional she is, she's a 21 year old girl who just crashed a car straight into a guardrail. Um, like if anything, she's you know I, I would I would put her as more suicidal than like uh, manipulative in that way.
2: Maybe reckless. Sure, absolutely. And let's 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 uh, back up just a little bit. You said that she was. A 21-year-old girl who crashed a car straight into a guardrail. Yeah. Who happened to figure out a way to not get charged for drunk driving. So she quite possibly might have her shit together when it comes to that, when it comes to getting out of, out of jams.
1: It's possible. She could have locked out. It's It's possible she was manipulative enough to not get in trouble, and that was due to her manipulative tactics it's very possible she
2: did something enough where the police officer at the scene felt more comfortable hanging up on that question than answering it something happened that that he feels more comfortable just hanging up the phone than than answering the question he didn't even bother to lie about something that might have happened he hung up the phone. You're talking about the officer, the uh, James Renner phone.
1: Correct. It is still an open investigation, so we're not going to get answers from law
2: enforcement. He had to report something back to his superiors about why he let this girl go. Right. Something that keeps coming into my head is the picture that the police took of her when she was charged with the uh, under $250 worth of credit card fraud. It's not a mugshot. They took a picture of her, I believe, at the dorm, like outside the dorm room. And if you show the picture, we can see that this picture of Mora looks nothing like the other pictures. And we have this image of her in our heads as this, you know, perfect teeth smiling girl. And this picture that the police took of her at one of her lowest points where she was caught doing something. There's something different. There's, there's like a, There's like a blankness in her eyes. Oh Jesus It's creepy yeah now, now, does that look like oh my God. that girl
1: sorry, I'm a little freaked out by that picture. I don't know there's something really creepy about that picture.
2: Does that look like a girl who might be able to figure something out when it comes to hey, this cop pulled me over, and I cannot get arrested for drunk driving?
1: Yeah, I don't want to look at this picture anymore. It's scaring me uh the other pictures of more are, uh, you know, she appears very attractive, very smiley. Um, exactly. Know, a cute,
2: a cute girl. Um, yeah, you go back to that picture, mm-hmm. and you put those side, side by side, and it is...
1: She kind of looks terrifying in this picture. If you Google it, um, more, just Google more. Mari, click on the images tab. It's the black and white sort of grained one where she's not
2: smiling at all. She's against a brick wall. Yeah, some kind of concrete wall. Wow. Yeah, so that image just, like, rolls around in my head when I think about, you know, the all-American girl, and then, oh, she got into a little trouble here, and then you look at that picture, and that is, there's something, uh, there's, can we go back to that? There's No, something. I don't want to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> there's something in those eyes, though. There's, like, almost yeah. like this, this, like...
1: Almost look of a criminal,
0: honestly. It's a
2: criminal look. It, it's a, it's someone who knows they did wrong, and knows they got caught, and, and, doesn't really have a remorse there that's my opinion on this picture and that's just what i think about when it's when when you think about these things that have happened to her in the days leading up to it the you know the the leaving the party the going to talk to her dad the the, the first accident which there a case can be made about the first accident at UMass the one that she was not arrested for drunk driving the, there there could be a case to be made that she that that was the, her first attempt to disappear that she borrowed her dad's car gave him some excuse on why she needed the car and uh she had it with her and uh got you know just it's a theory that is uh you know something that you can toy around with in your head she gets in the car she gets into the accident and before she can get away uh the 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 police are called and then cuz the next night she gets into the accident that she never so then she starts thinking like well i can't do this in a local spot mm mm-hmm you know i gotta this this didn't work here i gotta get i gotta go far away to do this and i gotta make it look like i'm getting out away i uh, mean because i it's, know. It's, it's hard to wrap your mind around when you're thinking about that first picture of her at the beach or her, her you know class picture smiling it's like look at this sweet girl she can never do that and then you look at that picture of her when she was caught with the credit card and isn't that's a, it's downright spooky it is spooky yeah it is. It's a very spooky picture, it, yeah. it just she. It, it makes you. It does a one eighty. It makes you. It makes you question. Makes you question motivations. Yeah, a lot of people confuse that picture with a mug shot. That to be clear, that is not a mug shot. And then because we haven't said it in this episode, if you know anything, if you think you've spotted her, do not contact us. Contact the New Hampshire State Police. Yeah, and in fact, based on that picture, don't approach her either. <laughs> <laughs> she
1: could be dangerous. <laughs> I mean, in all, in all seriousness, uh, she could be. You know, I mean, if this is someone who pulled off this disappearing act uh, you know, and manipulated people to do so, she would be dangerous. I mean, well, she would be – I mean, I don't know how criminal she would be after doing that. Depend. I don't know what she did in the last 11 years if she is alive still. But probably got into some dark stuff. So I, I don't even want to talk about that.
2: What's the story – The uh, is it the story of the scorpion and the frog when you're talking about the different sides of people? And if you don't know the story of the scorpion and the frog, there's a scorpion and a frog and they meet – on the bank of a stream, and the scorpion asks the frog to carry him across his back. And the frog asks, How do I know you won't sting me? And the scorpion says, "Well, If I sting you while you cross the stream, you know, I'm going to drown. Like, we'll both die. The frog seems like that's a good enough answer. He's satisfied. They go out. In midstream, the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog feels... The, the poison setting in can't swim anymore he starts to sink and they're both about to drown and he has just enough time to ask the scorpion why he did it he says you're gonna die with me why did you do this and the scorpion replies because it's in my nature and just thinking about that story and looking at that picture maybe it's just in someone's nature to always have that kind of risk in your life. Put on a good face for class pictures and beach shots and pictures with your boyfriend, but there's always a dark side. There's always something in your nature. The whole cast of characters. It's not just one person that has a dark side. When you look into this, you'll see that everybody involved has an angle even the people who claim to be doing something good they have a dark side
1: coming up next time on missing Mara murray lance and i will read the emails that we've received as well as some of the comments from the youtube page james renner's blog and the reddit blog thank you very much for listening and participating